You're listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Check us out online at southmetroministries.com. Now, let's join in on worship and the word. But sometimes this is a real problem for me, worry. So let's see what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. You found it? Say amen. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed or arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? It's about four times this word worries mentioned in verse 31. It's the fourth time so far in this lesson. Verse 31. Therefore do not worry saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what shall we wear. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. In verse 34 is the fifth time the word worry. Or worrying is mentioned. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen to the word? So I will worry less and preach better. Would you pray for me? Would you stretch your hands in my direction? Would you ask God to help me so I can help you? And I would cherish that. Father, it's a, you are on time, God. Thank you for the first service. Thank you for the power there. These are my brothers and sisters. These are your creation. We come together not to be entertained, oh God. We didn't just come to be seen of one another. But we came because we need a visitation, a fresh visitation of God for today and tomorrow and the rest of our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you'd give me divine unction. And you'd bring to my mind those things that you've given me prior to coming to this pulpit. Will you separate me from anything that I would try to, to say or do that would exploit or harm? And I pray for divine blessings upon everybody here. Would to God that little tongues of fire would appear over all of our heads like it was on the day of Pentecost, whether visible or invisible. Somebody say amen. Would to God that that, that, kind of re, that kind of revelation would be there so that it could confirm that we are filled with the Spirit of God. And so I pray, oh God, not only will we be hearers of the Word, but we'll be doers in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen it is. And you may be seated. Thank you very much. Keep your Bibles open to this reference, please. Sort of a question that uh, really we know the answer already, but I'm going to ask it because it introduces this lesson on get a grip on worry. The question is, how many people here this morning would like to learn how to worry more? No takers? Didn't think so. How many of you would feel like your life would be improved drastically if you could spend more time worrying? Didn't think so. Whether you know worry as an occasional visitor or a constant companion. Whether you find it to be mildly uncomfortable or intensely painful. 
or whether you experience worry as a slight distraction or a force that completely immobilizes you, we all would like to worry less. Say amen. Unless, of course, you're one of those kind of people who seem happy when you're miserable. You ever seen those? They're out there. Worry. We worry about everything. Some of us worry more, some worry less. I read about the young boy who was driving a hay rack down the road when the wagon fell over in front of a farmer's house. The farmer came out, saw the young boy crying and said to the young boy, Son, don't worry about this. We can fix it. The farmer said, Right now, however, it's dinner time at my house. And so, why don't you come in and sit down and have a meal with us? And when we get done, I'll help you put the hay back on the rack. And the boy said, no, I can't. My father is going to be very angry with me. And the farmer said, no, don't worry, son. Just come in, have some lunch. You'll feel better after you have some lunch. The boy said, I'm just afraid my father is going to be very angry with me. However, the farmer convinced the young boy that went inside, had some dinner. And after they had dinner, they came back outside and walked over to the hay rack. And the farmer said, now, son, don't you feel better after this great meal we had? The boy said, yes, but I just know that my father will be angry with me. The farmer said, nonsense, boy. Where is your father anyway? The boy said, he's under that wagon right there. (laughs) How many of you know that there's some things you should worry about? Just to kind of soften it up a little bit. Worry or anxiety can can so overwhelm you, it can lead to wrong decisions. Am I right? For instance, Joe and Dave, they went out deer hunting together when suddenly Dave killed over dead. Frantic, Joe called 911 on his cell phone and blurted out, My friend has just dropped dead. What should I do? A soothing voice on the other end said, Don't worry, I can help you. First, let's make sure he's really dead. After a brief moment of silence, the operator heard a gunshot ring out. Then Joe came back to the phone. Okay, Joe said, what do I do next? How many know if you worry too much, you can make wrong decisions? Psychologists have said to us that 90% of what people worry about never come to pass. But if you're like me, we like to think about the 10% that might, so we worry anyhow. Vance Havner, a preacher of yesterday, a marvelous prince of a preacher, Vance Havner said about worry, worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but you ain't going nowhere. (laughs) Norman Vincent Peale, a motivational speaker and a preacher, of yesteryear said, the word worry is derived from an old Anglo-Saxon word which means to strangle or to choke. You worry, and that's one of the symptoms. Speaking of symptoms, the symptoms of worry are multiple in their numbers. But here's a few for your reflection. Worry brings on an uneasy feeling. Worry brings on anxiety which leads to fear and panic. We worry and it creates in us an inability to relax. Give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about. 
Worry creates tension headaches, which lead to stress. We worry ourselves into sleeplessness. And sometimes it's hard to stay awake on Sunday morning because we worried ourselves last night. If we worry too much, it creates the symptoms of heart palpitations. Feelings of tightness in the chest. And there are other symptoms, but you get the idea. Worry, you see, is a terrible way to live. But millions of people are choosing to live that way every day. Worry is practically at an epidemic level in our affluent American society. When I study this subject and I come to address it with you this morning, I I wondered about the indicators of worry. What are some indicators out there in your life, mine, and in our culture that tells us that worry is on the increase? One of them is this thing of the increased use of prescription drugs. Every year, Americans spend millions of dollars on tranquilizers attempting to win the battle over worry. The vast amount of drugs consumed in this country is a very real indicator that we as a nation and as a people are worrying more than ever before. The numbers say that one out of every six Americans takes some kind of tranquilizer pill to change his or her mental attitude. Some doctors estimate that more than 30 million Americans are hitting the pill bottle to treat the symptoms of their worries. We have become a nation of pill takers because of worry or the troubles. There's another indicator, and that is that of mental disorders. The number of persons and mental institutions in America have increased drastically over the last several decades. And there are many people who are not in a mental institution who are in need of care because of mental disorders that they cannot go there or don't have the means, but there are problems. And when we worry and we stress and we become anxious and nervous, it leads to mental suffering. Another indicator of increased worry. And that is alcohol consumption and drug abuse. Granted, not everybody who consumes alcohol or abuse drugs do it because they want to drive their worries away. But many people, in order to escape the reality of their pain or the fear of their worry, will find themselves going to substitutes, one of which is alcohol, another which is drug abuse. And those kinds of things can lead to addiction and bondage, all in a pursuit of Some sort of relief. What do we worry about? Well, it would be far easier to list the things we do not worry about than the things we do worry about. In this passage of Matthew 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus touched on the points of worry which are common to all of us. And let me just highlight a few of them. He talked about the fact that we worry about life as a whole. Everything about life. He mentioned that we not only worry about life as a whole, we worry about what we're going to eat. What we're going to drink. I hope you didn't have to worry about it on last Thursday. He said we worry about clothing, raiment, what we'll put on, what we'll wear. We worry about money, how to make it, how to keep it, how to keep somebody from getting it in the wrong way. We worry about marriage. We worry about if you're single, who will I marry? And you worry about what kind of marriage it will be. And, And if it's a stormy marriage, you worry about how long it'll last. We worry about marriage. We worry about children. What are they going to grow up to be? What are, going to, what are their choices? Are they hanging with the wrong group? 
Are they under wrong peer pressure? How are they doing in school? We worry about children. We worry about jobs. Will we have a job? How long will we have a job? And, and so the list can go on and on. We worry about the economy. We worry about terrorism. We worry about war. We worry about the, the possibility of some madman or mad woman showing up at a mall or a church or someplace of public gathering with a vendetta on their mind and just unloading weapons upon weapons of bullets and killing innocent lives because we live in that kind of crazy world. And so, as you think about it, we, we go, sometimes we have the propensity to worry ourselves when we go to bed at night. We worry during the night. We awake in the morning to worry again. And the worry accompanies us all day long. We come home from work to begin to cycle all over again because there's so much to worry about. Another question. And that is, why do we worry? Well, there are obvious reasons, but let me just, in building the foundation of this lesson, give you a few of them. We worry a lot of times because we find that life is unpredictable. It's hard. Can I get an amen? Whether you're rich or poor, young or old, educated, uneducated, whatever your skin color may be or your nationality, life will be hard for everybody. There are no exceptions. Can I get an amen here? I mean, there are people who have more, other people who have less, but I've lived long enough to find that police people can get robbed, and lawyers can get sued, and doctors get sick. Preach. I think I will. You know, there are no exceptions. Life is hard for everybody. And because life is hard, we worry. Not only is life hard, but we worry because the future is uncertain. You can call 1900 and whatever the, the psychic numbers may be, but they don't know the future. Anybody hearing me? You can go to all these prognosticators and predictors about what the future is, but they cannot guarantee you the future. Somebody else say amen. amen. We worry about the future. and We worry about when we were turning the century, we worried about Y2K. Anybody remember Y2K? Anybody still got groceries in your house you need to throw away because you thought you'd need it when the century turned? We worry about what might be, what is, and what is coming. We worry about the future. And because we cannot predict the future, we might worry more. Not only do we worry because life is hard, the future is uncertain, we worry because we're not in control. Help me out here. Sometimes we feel like if I'm in control, I can do a better job. I can do a better job as the boss. I can do a better job as the financial planner for the family. I can do a better job as the school teacher. I can be a better job as the preacher. I can do a better job as the truck driver. I can do a better job as the doctor. We worry because we're not in control and, and therefore if we were, things would be better. Do you know if you were in control, some people would be dead who need to be alive? Do you know if they were in control, you might be dead? Thank God we're not in control. But control bothers us. Because we feel like we can do a better job. And yet, when we, when we even get control of some things, we realize, oh God, I was wrong. Because without the help of God, we are eventually going to be stranded and full of worry. And then, then there's this thing about what is worry. Well, in doing a little word study on worry, I've come to discover that the word worry comes from two Greek words, the first of which is marizo. The word marizo means to divide. The second Greek word is the word noos, which means the mind. 
So therefore, when one worries, it is the dividing of the mind. When one's mind is divided between the material and the spiritual, it affects our allegiance. When one's mind is divided between the material and spiritual, it affects our relationship with God. When our mind is divided between what's God's will for me and what's my will for me or somebody else's will for me, it affects our faithfulness. Say amen, church. The warrior has a mind that's torn between the real and the possible. Remember that. The warrior has a mind that's torn between the immediate and also the potential. And what Satan would have us do is to have a divided mind. And the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Well, I don't know if God will come through today. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Somebody help me here. And so we find that worry is the dividing of the mind. But worry is more than that. Worry is trusting in things. In our text, the Lord discusses worry within the context of material things. One learns to worry when he puts more trust in things than he does in God. I'm teaching here a little bit. I, uh, I'll, I'll get this train going a little bit. Right now I'm torn between the Charles Stanley delivery and the T.D. Jakes delivery. I think I'm headed for the Jakes delivery in just a minute. If you can just hang in here with me. Do you remember the occasion when the disciples were on the stormy sea one night with Jesus in the boat? Do you remember that Jesus, after a long day of ministry and blessing and meeting the crowds and the thousands, and, and he got tired and so he got him a pillow and went to a part of the boat and laid down to sleep while they crossed the Sea of Galilee. Of course, they had only ancient water crossing vessels. They had no engines, so they had to depend on the power, the wind, on the sail. And the nature of the geography around the Sea of Galilee is such that it can be very unpredictable regarding storms. There are high mountain ranges around one, uh, uh, about two-thirds of the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and in between those mountain ranges, there are some, there are some valleys or, or areas where wind can blow in and, and it can just be uh, magnified on the lake unexpectedly. Uh, uh, in a moment, the lake can be placid and calm and you're going nowhere. And in a matter of a minute or less, because of the nature of the wind and the wind currents, it can just pelt in between those caves and between those gorges and, and precipices and just fill that lake of Galilee with such tumultuous wind until the water rises and what happened is this is Jesus crossing at night with his disciples it was tranquil but then all of a sudden the wind comes up and the boat is tossed and the sail is probably going to be torn water starts getting in the boat and they take their buckets and their pitchers and their pails and they don't know what they're going to do because it looks like they're going to sink and they're bailing water out of the boat as fast as they can and somebody goes over to Jesus and shakes him on the shoulder and says to him don't you care master that we perish you know that's what worry does worry can so overwhelm you until the devil will tell you God doesn't care you ought to say amen to that you can get so overwhelmed in your boat and in your storm and with the wind that you forget that the very reason you are living is because of the man who was sleeping in the boat yeah 
And what happened to the disciples was they were putting their trust in a little boat in things rather in the trust of the maker of the wood who made the uh, feel a whoop glory coming on. That's what happens to us. Satan overwhelms us with worry that can lead to anger, that can lead to depression, that can lead to stress. The first thing we do instead of thanking God for where we are and trusting him to take us beyond here, we go, well, I guess you care, God. That's what worry does. Jesus stood up in the boat. You know the rest of the story. He stood up in the boat as the winds were tossing and the water was filling and the lightning was flashing and the thunder was rolling and they were still bailing water out of the boat. And he said, peace, be still. And that's what he wants to do in your worry and mine. But worry is more than just dividing the mind and trusting in things. It's being distracted by things. I, I won't have you go there for the sake of time, but in the Gospel of Luke, it would be chapter 10. Jesus visits the house of Mary and Martha. And as he comes into the house, and Martha and Mary's brother was Lazarus. Jesus comes in and they welcome him. And the first thing Martha does is hit the kitchen. This is Jesus and we got to serve a meal. Because she was a wonderful hostess. Well, the first thing her sister Mary does is sit at the feet of Jesus. Because he hadn't come before, perhaps. If he does, we don't know that for this occasion. And, and it ain't, it, pardon the grammar, it isn't just an ordinary person here. This is Jesus. Wow. He has honored our humble abode with his presence. And I, Mary says, I've got to listen to what he got to say because I don't know if he's coming this way again. And, and here's what happens. Martha gets in the kitchen and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's trying to fix supper. And she's getting mad about a minute. I'm fixing supper for Jesus. And my sister Mary is sitting at his feet. She comes in and says, Lord, don't you, don't you, why not you say something to my sister here? Come help me in the kitchen. You know, Thanksgiving meal and all. And it wasn't a bad thing that she wanted to cook for Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. That's a good thing. And Jesus said to, 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 to Martha, you, you are distracted. You are troubled by many things. But Mary, oh, I feel a whoop glory coming on. But Mary has chosen the better of things. You, you know what part of our problem is? It, it, Satan distracts us with the good after neglect of the best. You didn't hear me, did you? It's good to clean the house. Jesus is here. Good to fix him a meal because he's here. But the best thing is that he is the Messiah. He is the, the personification of God in the flesh. And Mary had the idea in her mind, I'm not going to help in the kitchen right now because this man I heard when people were hungry and came to his revival service and they stayed, off, off, and they stayed all day 
have no food, he took five loaves and two fish and prayed over it. And he fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. And they took up 12 baskets and sent it home with somebody else. And if that man can take a supper for 5,000, I don't need to be hitting the kitchen right now. I need to be sitting at his feet and sucking up and soaking all of his presence. Somebody praise the Lord. Martha's worried about dinner and setting the table and the silverware. And Mary's thinking, this is the blind man healer in the house. This is the one who stopped a, a funeral when a mother was taking her son dead. And he stopped the funeral and raised up that boy and sent him home. I wish somebody would say amen. This is the one who came away from a place of a graveyard where a man had so many demons they couldn't count it. They called him legion. But after Jesus found him, he was left in his right mind. And he went on his way praising God. If Jesus is in the house, I choose to sit at his feet and hear his word and to spend my time being busy with something that is less than the best. Somebody give the Lord a hand up here. Yeah. Can't come to church because I got to pay my bills. Oh, God help me. I'm going to blow that pastor's offer next Sunday wide open. I'm going to tell you right now, but I'm going to preach it anyhow because this is a, what is it? A kind of message? What is it? Organic? Yeah, yeah. That's right what he said. Yeah. This ain't no fillers or preservatives. (laughs) Can't pay my tithe, but when I win the lottery, (laughs) I'm going to pay it. Oh, God, help me. I don't want to even go there. All this stuff I can't do because I'm distracted by things. Jesus said, if you take enough time, if you you take 10% of the time that you use for griping, grumbling, complaining, fussing, and cussing, Take these glasses off so you won't see who you're hitting, boy. <laughs> if you take 10% of the time that you spend griping, fussing, cussing, complaining, fault finding, and say, I'm going to spend 10% of that time praising God and worshiping God and reading my Bible and loving and forgiving, you'll be amazed at how worry will fly. Mm, help me, Jesus. Distracted by things. So, the, the, the real concern here is how do you overcome worry? Well, you realize how much it hurts. You overcome worry when you realize what Jesus said about worry. It appears to me that life in America can be described in three words. Hurry, worry, and bury. Yeah. Because it leads you to a fast grave, hurry and worry stuff. Worry hurts us spiritually. Because Jesus compared to worrying to being like the Gentiles. Because after all these things, they seek too. The Gentiles were unbelievers. He compared them to sinners. And there is a danger, Jesus said, when you know what he can do, and he loves you, and you keep worrying, you are in danger of sinning. Because you're calling God a liar that what he promised, he won't do. Please hear me. Where do you get this, Pastor? I get it from John chapter 5, verse 10, where Jesus said, He that believeth not God had made him a liar. He that doesn't believe God makes God a liar. And when we worry, we undo all the promises of God. We act like they're not even there. What promises? 
The promise of Hebrews 13 and 5, I will not leave thee, nor forsake thee. The promise of 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on Jesus, because he cares for you. Mark 7, 37 says about Jesus, he had done all things well. Here's another promise. Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When we worry, we disavow that promise. I also like Philippians 4 and 13 where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you want to alleviate worry, then you, you realize how much it hurts. It hurts you spiritually. It's, it's like the story of the man who was walking down the country road and uh, he was carrying a heavy load on his shoulders. And a farmer came by in a pickup truck and saw him carrying the load. He offered him a ride. The man got in the back of the pickup truck and, and they took off. Directly, the farmer saw that the guy he picked up with the heavy load on his shoulder was sitting in the back of the truck with still the heavy load on his shoulder. So he pulled off to the side of the road and he said, Hey, mister, if I'm carrying you in the back of my truck, why are you carrying the load on your shoulder still? Isn't that what worry does? Jesus says, If I'm carrying you, and I died for your sins and made provisions for your healing. Somebody say amen. amen. Made provisions for your finances. Made provisions for your peace. If, if, I'm, if, I, if I went to the cross and carried all your sins, all your griefs and all your sorrows, why in the world do you keep coming to the altar, leaving it there and taking it home before you leave? That's me and that's you. Oh, help me, Jesus. Worry, worry hurts physically. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, the Mayo Clinic. The Mayo Clinic has reported that fear, worry, hate, selfishness, and the inability to adjust to the world of reality are the main causes of stomach illnesses and stomach ulcers. There's more. Doctors have also concluded that worry affects the heartbeat and blood circulation and makes one a right candidate for 219 diseases and 642 complications known to the medical profession. Worry hurts your body. I know what I'm talking about. It brings on physical symptoms that are deterrents to your health. There is a new television show, it's new to me, called Dr. Oz. Have you seen it? Raise your hand. I'm not setting you up. I mean, I'm just giving an illustration here. I saw it this, this Thanksgiving day. And, and Jennifer and Kimberly and the others, they knew about it. And he seems to be the, the man, Dr. Oz, medical doctor. Very astute. Uh, he was on Oprah Winfrey's show for quite a number of uh, uh, segments. And now he has his own show. And he has a good show. Now, I saw Dr. Oz for the first time on well, Alicia's show. And uh, I have mixed reactions to it. Because by my transparency to you, and so you'll know how to pray for me, I'm a warrior. Not a warrior. You're the man. <laughs> ah, sometimes I, I, I am that. But sometimes I'm a W-O-R-R-I-E-R, warrior. And I'm thinking, I don't know about Dr. Oz in this show. Because he started showing about ways you can get sick. And what happens? He started showing about throat and throat cancer and how it comes on. Then he started showing how you can get blood clots. You start up in your legs, move up your legs, go, go to your heart. 
Get your lungs. They can kill you. Hey, he started showing some other things. And coming home yesterday from being out of town a little bit, I started having a little pain here in my chest. <laughs> my wife was taking a little sleep and Prissy was in the back seat. She was sleeping too. Thinking, Dr. R says, maybe uh and, and after preaching and yelling like a crazy man every Sunday, my throat bothers me a little bit. I'm thinking, Pastor Jeff, I'm maybe having a, the starting phases. Y'all, y'all know where I'm going, don't you? Because now, Mr. Uh, Mr. Dr. Oz is introducing me to symptoms I've not had before. And I'm fearful to come off this pulpit. Now, if you're a non-warrior, then you're grateful for the information because it helps you to take care of your body. Can, can I get an amen? Yeah, I mean, it's really better than not, it's, it's really better than not good because I, I'm talking about the fact that, you know, you, it's kind of a preventative stuff. But worry hurts us physically. Worry is also very useless. Didn't, isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said we, we, we forget our self-worth. We, we forget our self-worth and how valuable we are to him when we worry. I say that because I read in verse uh, number 26. Please look in your scriptures and I'm going to hurry here. Verse 26, chapter 6. If you dare say amen. Look at the birds of the air for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you no more valuable than they? What Jesus is saying here is we are human beings made in the image of God. We are created a little lesser than the angels. Therefore the angels are higher than we're next. Jesus said, I take care of the birds of the air. They don't plant seeds and they don't reap the harvest and they don't put it in barns, but I feed them. Jesus said, I take care of the beautiful lilies of the field at their season and at their peak. They are so grand and glorious and beautiful. And even Solomon in his most kingly attire wasn't as beautiful as any of the lilies that Jesus and God has created. And he says, if I care about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, don't you know you are of more value to me than they are? Say amen. So, so worry causes us to forget our self-worth. It's useless. Uh, verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his statue? Have you ever wondered the kind of money that basketball players make? Uh, I have tried to worry myself into several more inches of height so I could become an NBA basketball player. Look at me. It has not worked. <laughs> I have tried to worry a few more strands of hair on my head. Look at me. It is not working. Go ahead and laugh. Because ain't none of yuns getting any younger. Some of you are laughing with teeth you bought. So keep laughing. There are no exceptions to getting older, but worrying about it won't make you younger. (laughs) Man, I feel like a preacher now. It's useless. Worry blinds us from the blessings of God. Can I get another amen here? And so what we do is we, we practice the presence of God. Oh, my, my, my. When worry tends to overtake you, practice Speaking out some scripture verses. Can I get another amen here? That's why it's important to recite, memorize some scriptures. 
Practice the presence of God means you don't have to be in the sanctuary on Sunday morning to practice the presence of God. You can be on the workplace at 2 o'clock on Monday evening and some news or some event or some incident casts shadows of worry on you. But you can say, my God will never leave me nor forsake me. You say a scripture. You practice the presence of God by singing a song. Say amen. Not all of us are candidates for American Idol. God didn't give us a song so we could try out, so we could be on TV. But the Bible talks about singing a new song unto the Lord. You don't have to have a piano or a guitar or any, uh, any instruments. But the Bible tells us that we can overcome fear and anxiety by the song of the Lord. And sometimes you're just driving down the road. You need to cut off the talk show person. You need to cut off that station. And you need to sing a song unto God or say a scripture and the Holy Ghost will come down in the car and the angels of God will ride with you and you'll find that you are not as near as troubled as if you didn't practice His presence. Learn to live one day at a time. Give me an amen. amen. Now, now let, me, let me give you two disclaimers about worry. Two disclaimers right here. The first disclaimer is this. When the Word says don't worry, it doesn't mean don't plan. Disclaimer number one. Well, pastor says that everything's going to be all right and I shouldn't worry. So the bills will get paid if they get paid. The mortgage will get paid if they get paid. The kids will get raised if they get raised. And whatever will be, will be. That's not what the Bible says. Don't worry don't mean don't plan. Jesus spent 33 and a half years on this earth. Embodied in flesh, the personification of God with a plan. He didn't just appear and leave. He spent his entire earthly ministry planning to the cross. Give me a witness. His purpose was to fulfill the will of the Father. His purpose was to be the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Everything he did pointed to Calvary. To his crucifixion. His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, and His coming again. When He said, don't worry, it doesn't mean don't plan. It is the same Jesus said, which of you will set out to build a tower, won't sit down and count the cost. Count the cost. Let me tell you something. I don't want to exploit anybody's pain, but I want to be very realistic. After tomorrow night, I will have done four funerals this month. And I'm telling you, if you're don't have life insurance, you need to get some. Term life insurance is very cheap. I'm giving you a little financial planning here, okay? I'm not exploiting any of these people or any previous. I'm just saying to you that you will save your children, your parents, or somebody else who is left to care for you. A lot of pain. If you're laid aside some money, a little bit of money every month, so they could cover without worrying your going plan for retirement too okay I told you earlier none of us are getting younger <laughs> and if you're waiting to win the lottery so is about seven other billion people out there plan for your retirement oh help me Jesus and you need to start making friends some of you, some of you that are, you're just like uh, you need to make some friends because you're going to need some pallbearers come your funeral 
going around biting everybody you see. We're going to have to pay some people to, to, to carry you to the grave. And you need to make you some, you need to plan. You need to also live right because I need to have something to say over you other than you lived and you died. <laughs> well, I'm not worried right now. I will worry later. Let me give you disclaimer number two and I'm going to hurry. Don't worry doesn't mean don't be concerned. Okay? Be concerned. What kind of parent is it that you don't care who your kids hang out with? You need to get this. There is a difference between carefree and careless. Okay? I can be carefree if I've taken care of stuff. If I've paid the bills. If I've made sure the kids come in at the right time, hang with the right crowd. And they're smaller. I make sure they're protected, not out in the street. So don't worry. That means don't be concerned. Quickly, learn to do one thing at a time. Realize that a cure is possible. I'm giving you this now because the devil wants to give you a hard time later and you can just pull these out and start praying over them. Realize that a cure is... There's an antidote to... I appreciate the government in America and the CDC making provisions, vaccines, an antidote to H1N1 virus. They're trying to come with a cure. And some of us are so worried we don't want to shake hands with nobody and don't want to catch nothing in H1N1. The way some of the people treat the orphan plate in the services, you think they think the orphan plate has H1N1. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> why can't I mind my own business? This is the business. A cure is possible. But you know what? Here's, here's why a cure is a, a cure is possible when I'm willing to help myself. You know, if I'd like to have an income, it'd do, do me good to put in a few applications and get a job. You ought to say amen. Yeah. If I'd like to have a healthier body, it'd do me good to watch what I eat and exercise. And I know I need to do that. The fact of the matter is I'm part of the cure. I have a responsibility. Can I give me an amen here? Yeah. I'm part of the responsibility. If I want to have peace in the family and peace in the home and peace with other people, it may be that I may have to watch my tongue and watch my speech and apologize every once in a while because I want to have peace and I may be part of the problem. Jesus said, take care of the long pole in your own eye. It's paraphrase. Take care of the beam in your own eye before you take care of the speck in somebody else's. I'm part of the cure. Cure me, Lord. Can I get another amen here? I'm, I'm part of the cure, meaning that, that I, if, if I have an addiction of some kind or a habit of some kind that's destroying my life, I need to take necessary actions to avoid that place, those people, or that substance. And the supreme remedy to all of worry is prayer. Prayer. Philippians 4 and 6 says, everybody read this out loud on the count of three. Everybody out loud. Look on the screen. One, two, three. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. On the count of three, everybody read. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. Stand please, would you? What a 
fellowship. What a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Some of those words. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. what I'm going to ask you to do. You say, Pastor, I am tired of being a warrior. I'm going to join you at the altar. I know I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm tired of Satan paralyzing me with fear and worry. Come from where you are and join me at this altar hurriedly in Jesus' name. Come, come in Jesus' name. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Come, come. Come from everywhere. Come for yourself. Come for your marriage. Come for your health. Come for your job. Come for your money. Come to just beat the devil. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Sing that. I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all for just a few more moments because the power comes from obedience to the word which you're doing here all of you in this altar here's what the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you in the altar for you take everything on your worry list and put it on your prayer list right now this morning take everything you brought down here off of your your worry list and put it on your prayer list remember this those of you at the altar worry about nothing pray about everything oh hallelujah the job the marriage the baby on the way pray about everything Jesus the bitter past the ex the present pray about everything Jesus says, Alan, why are you carrying the fear when I'm carrying you? Perfect love, cast out fear. So the posture of surrender for everybody in this house, everybody reverence the Lord. Raise your hands with me. And if you, you don't feel like raising your hand, just reverence the Lord. You don't have to raise it. But add to the prayer by your faith. Raise your hands now. Whatever you came to this altar for, say, Jesus, I'm leaving it here this morning. Pray in the sanctuary. Pray with you. Pray specifically. Don't, don't think about your dinner right now. Would you pray with me, everybody? And would you cast out worry in the name of Jesus? Father, I lift my hands this morning. I lift my hands in this holy house where God is. And I want to practice your presence today. I ask you to forgive me for doubting you. Come on. Come on and tell him whatever you have. Knowing what I know about the Bible, knowing what I know about Jesus, knowing what I know about your provisions, forgive me for doubting you, Lord.
I pray this morning for my brothers and sisters in this church that we will not become a victim any longer. Somebody say amen. Father, we leave our burdens and our fears with you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that anyone that comes to you, you will in no wise cast out. And oh God, don't let us have to depend on medicines or counseling or doctors. We are not against any of those in the right measure at the right time. But do not let us put our trust in things instead of God. We this morning, come on, come on, pray with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We seek you, God. We seek your presence. We seek your kingdom. We pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We seek you, God. And then all these other things are going to be added to us. Come on, begin to praise him right now. Begin to thank him out loud. Somebody thank him right now that you are free in Jesus' name. Come on, thank him that your body is well. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Father, I want to praise you right now that our jobs are secured. And if we were to lose this one, it's only because you'll provide us with another better one. Thank you that our health is secured. And if we have symptoms, we'll go get help. But you are the healer. Come on, somebody. Thank you that person is coming out of jail in due time and they'll be better. Thank you, God, that person is coming out of intensive care in due time and they'll be better. Thank you, oh God, that you care about us. And while there are seven billion people in this world, you know our name. You even know the number of hair on our head. Thank you, Jesus.